Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. All right, what's up and welcome inside Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Corey Parson holding it down for Sarah Perlman, joined as always by my guy, Drew Densick. Coming up on the program today, we're going to talk to Hall of Fame NASCAR driver Dale Jarrett. Uh, Lawrence Jackson will be dropping by to get us ready for week nine in the NFL season. A little bit later on in the program, the Ghost Points Bets Jay Croucher joins us. Talk a little Heisman Trophy, not to mention got some NBA matchups we want to hop into tonight. All right, Drew, wanted to get into something right off the top NBA-wise, but change of plans. We do have some breaking news <laughs> off the board right now. At points bet, the Green Bay Packers and Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. That is because we are hearing that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID and will be out this weekend at Kansas City. Yeah. When this number comes in when it comes back. Just, you know, educated guess. So uh, considering the complete unknown quantity that is Jordan Love, this is probably the most impactful injury you could have across the NFL. Biggest downgrade from starting QB to backup QB that I have across my numbers. And realistically, I think this probably reopens in the ballpark of Kansas City minus seven and a half, maybe minus eight. If people, uh, you know, really truly doubt, you know, Jordan Love, you could see this get that out to 10. I wouldn't be shocked. But this is a huge deal because this was going to expect it to be a pick matchup. You know, I had a little bit of an appetite to get involved with Kansas City here before the news. Now, I don't think there's going to be much value in the betting line. If anything, probably look for an overreaction. Maybe get if you can get a double digit spread on Green Bay, that's probably the bet. But Jordan Love got no snaps last year at all in the preseason. No snaps in practice during the regular season. Finally got a little bit in preseason this year, but then got hurt. Didn't get to play much in the uh, preseason games for the Packers. Uh, so he is a completely untested quantity. Uh, now that hasn't mattered, and you know, first you know, as we've seen with uh, the likes of Mike White, that hasn't been you know the the end game for quarterbacks being able to perform, particularly against the soft Kansas City defense. But uh, you know, I would expect that there's a pretty violent move in the market on this news. No doubt. Don't forget our property, NBC Sports Edge. Whether it's a fantasy reaction, sports betting reaction, head over there. We'll have you covered on this late breaking story. Now let's get ready to talk some NASCAR. I want to welcome in Hall of Fame NASCAR driver Dale Jarrett to talk about the upcoming uh, championship. Dale, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, that news of Aaron Rodgers didn't sit well with me already. Uh, this day and time, doing a bet early in the week is not a good thing, but uh, I'd actually put the Packers in a little teaser, and uh, it may still work out if I got enough points there. But, Look at uh, that. Dale Jarrett teasing up. That means he's a shot better. All right, Dale, um, how different will the final race of uh, the NASCAR playoffs in Phoenix be compared to the last two to three weeks? 
yeah, you know, it's hard to imagine that the intensity is going to ramp up any. But when you get it down to four drivers, I think that things do ramp up. You're, you're talking about the four best for the entire year. These four drivers have led the most laps. Kyle Larson has the most wins in the season. The other drivers have their wins. They all are good at Phoenix. And so this should be a, a really intense battle. And we're not going to see who this champion is going to be uh, until those final laps wind down. And, and this is a different situation. Nobody's going for stage points. You're not trying to lead the most laps. That doesn't make any difference. It's all about just beating the other three competitors. And these drivers understand what's at stake. So th this is going to be interesting to watch. But once again, just like we saw this past Sunday at Martinsville, where a non-playoff driver impacted the finish of that race there with Denny Hamlin and Alex Bowman getting together there late in the race. That could possibly happen here once again. Oof, man, I love the uncertainty. And realistically, seeing Kyle Larson at this very short price is tough for me to really buy into, particularly considering a guy like Martin Truex Jr. won at Phoenix back in, what was that, March? Yeah. Uh, and obviously, actually, all three of these guys, I think actually, yeah, Elliott beat Larson, Hamlin beat Larson in that race. Uh, so it would not shock me at all if this is pretty even across these four drivers. Is that about the way you see it? Or do you think that there is a guy among these four that uh, can realistically put themselves apart? I think since we went to this playoff format, this might be the most even that, that I can ever remember. There, there usually was uh, someone that really stood out and was going to be a, a huge favorite there. I think the one thing, I think Kyle Larson still is, in my opinion. That race back in March, uh, he was just kind of getting himself acclimated with his race team and doing things uh, the, and, and understanding everything, that the way that they go about it. But he had two pit road speeding penalties and still managed to get himself back inside the top 10 before the end of the day. So that's the one thing that, that I look at and say, I believe that he has the speed at this track. He's had it everywhere else. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he'll have it this weekend. But I do believe that experience plays a factor. Chase Elliott came in and won this race last year and, and won his first championship. Truex uh, won here earlier, as you pointed out. Denny Hamlin has a couple of wins here. So if Larson is going to pull this off and, and get that 10th win of the season and that being one that brings him a championship, he's got a, a lot of work ahead of him. It's, uh, it's 312 laps of hard side-by-side -side racing. Dude, how would you handicap kind of like the drivers who don't really have, you know, the, 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 the chance to win the championship? You know, I, I think when you look at, at the ones that don't have that, when you look at a Brad Keselowski who's leaving Penske Racing after this race and moving on uh, to be a part owner uh, at Roush Fenway, he would like to, to do nothing more than to leave on a great note, and that's to go get a win. Uh, Kevin Harvick hasn't won in over a year, and, and this used to be kind of his own playground. When you talked about Phoenix, the next sentence was Kevin Harvick is going to be the favorite at that track. That hasn't been the case lately, but he wants to close out 2021 with a race win. Then you have Kyle Busch that is sitting there looking to get a win and understands, you know, he, he just missed by a few points of being part of this championship for. So you have so many names. William Byron, who is a teammate to, to both Larson and Chase Elliott in this, uh, has run extremely well throughout all of the playoffs, but really doesn't have a finish, good finish to show for that. And uh, this could be someone that you have to look out for too. So again, that's what separates and makes the playoffs in NASCAR so different is that once the playoffs start and we start eliminating drivers from being able to win the championship, they're not eliminated. They still compete and they could have a big impact on what happens here. Yeah. I had a long shot ticket on uh, Kyle Busch and he was so close. That was, oh. uh, that was, uh, <laughs> I really had <laughs> hoped he would get his nose into this, uh, 
this final four, but not to be. So we've talked about a number of weeks here as we've worked our way down. The racing over the last four weeks has been so, so good. Just an absolutely outstanding finish to this NASCAR playoffs. Who is your pick ultimately to be the champion? I can take up our time and, and uh, say that I can make a really good case for each of these drivers uh, from the, the experience, the, the winning factor at this particular track, uh, being able to handle the pressures of it because uh, everybody, all of these drivers except for Larson have raced for one of these championships before in this format. But uh, I'm going to stick with Larson. Uh, it just seems, you know, when I look at things throughout the year, he, he has been the most dominant driver. You've got a driver that has as much or more talent than any of the other three that he's racing against. And he has as good a car, if not better than everyone else. That makes me think that even with the short price on him, I think it's still worth the dollars that you would put down for Kyle Larson. I think he gets it done. All right. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, Dale. Don't forget to um, make sure you follow Dale's announcements on NBC. Check him out on Twitter at Dale Jarrett and check out the race in Phoenix, 3 p.m. Eastern Sunday on NBC on Peacock. Thanks a lot, Mr. Jarrett. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good looking out with that uh, teaser for the Packers. All right. We appreciate you listening to Bet to Edge, wherever you may be listening. Make sure to rate the pod and, of course, sign up. We're giving you all the actionable information you need in 30 minutes or less. The lines move fast, and we want to make sure that you are gaining an edge with us. That is correct. And uh, as noted, we're, we're bringing back more NBA winners today. We have a lot, a lot of good NBA on the slate. So if you want to pick our brains on the uh, games that we do not cover in Edge of the Day, by all means, reach out to us on Twitter. I am available at whale underscore capper. And Corey, of course, is at the fantasy exec. All right, no doubt. Let's get ready to hop in and talk some NFL. I want to bring in my guy from NBC Sports Edge, Lawrence Jackson. Lawrence, what's going on with you, my man? Congratulations, your hometown of Atlanta Braves are <laughs> World Series champions. Yeah, man, it, it actually, you know, feel great. And, and you know I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but I'm the biggest Atlanta guy. So, you know, the Atlanta Falcons and the Hawks, just take notes, man, because I can only imagine how I would feel if this was football or basketball, because I feel good about it, just for them to be able to bring something to the city that needed. So it's all good, man. All right, so let's get ready to hop in and talk about some week nine stuff. Let's start with tomorrow night's action. Jonathan Taylor, what do you think of his rushing prop? So at uh, 84 and a half, man, at minus 115, man, I'm loving that all the way. The past four games, he's averaged 95 rushing yards per game, and he's only had one game under 70 yards. So I like that versus the Jets, who do have a top 10 rushing defense as far as total yards. However, two of their past three weeks, they've given up 108 and 118 on the ground. So Jonathan Taylor, man, he's been on the road. So I'm going to be loving that. I'm hitting that. That's a, that's a good price to get that at. Yeah, with the Colts as uh, huge favorites in this spot and the unlikely nature of Mike White to repeat his uh, performance considering he'll be on the road. Colts likely going to be in a positive game state. Probably going to see Jonathan Taylor get the rock a lot in the second half of this one. So that's a great look. What are your thoughts on, and I guess in the same sentence, if the Jets are in comeback mode, do you think that that opens up an opportunity for them to be, uh, you know, a lot of passing attempts for Mike? Right. White? Maybe a couple receptions for the running back? 
Yeah, right. There you go. Speaking to Mike White, the Mike White effect has not only taken over us, but it has affected nobody better than Michael Carter. Dude has seen 23 targets the past two games. Wow. And, though, and, and in those past two games, Mike White has been the quarterback for the Lions share that time. So uh, he's going to he's going to dump it off. And like you said, what looks to be a, a negative game script, they'll have to throw uh, to stay in the game. And at four and a half receptions, I'm taking that all day at uh, plus 100, seeing as how he's had eight and nine catches the past two games. All right, so that's a good look on uh, Michael Carter right there. Let's switch gears and talk about some totals. Got a, uh, I don't want to say a big game, but we're doing Carolina this weekend. Not too far from uh, Dale Jarrett. Uh, in Carolina this weekend, we got the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. Totaling this one right now, sitting at 41, Lawrence. And really, we're looking at two teams that don't really strike you as teams that get up and down the field and put a lot of points on the board. Right, and that's why I could see this one going under. And also to note, the Patriots' defense is just simply playing better. And, you know, they got young Mac Jones uh, managing the game well. They're they're able to put together some wins. You saw the Patriots' defense just completely give Justin Herbert problems. So I can only imagine what they'll do versus the Panthers' offense. On the flip side, the Panthers' defense kind of stopped the Falcons' offense that last week was uh, – they were on the road the past few weeks, and the Panthers pretty much shut them down, shut down Kyle Pitts. So this is a game in which two of the defenses are better than the two offenses. So I could see that one uh, going under for sure. Yeah, questions swirling about if Darnold even takes snaps here for Carolina. Mm -hmm. Certainly seems like Christian McCaffrey's out. So, yeah, there's not going to be a ton that Carolina is bringing to the table in terms of offense in this one. That's a nice look. How about uh, in uh, maybe kind of one of the quieter games, uh, you know, at least in terms of the national spotlight, but one that should be really, really good. Minnesota Vikings are coming off of an embarrassing loss in prime time against the backup quarterback in Cooper Rush. They go and play a Ravens team that's coming off a bye. Lamar Jackson obviously starting to peek into coming into, uh, you know, kind of the MVP conversation here. We talked about that yesterday. Do you think this is a nice opportunity for him to show out against this uh, Vikings team? And do you think the Vikings can go score for score, maybe uh, threaten this total? Um, I'm going to agree with you on both points there. In fact, out of all the 1 p.m. games, this one has the highest over-under, so you're going to be looking at a potential uh, shootout if you were. Now we know, or at least you should know, that Lamar Jackson is about that shootout life, too, if he uh, <laughs> needs to be. Uh, but the Ravens' defense, on the other hand, two of their past three games, they've given up over 400 yards passing to the quarterbacks. So Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they're looking to feast on that. Now, the Vikings' defense, uh, they're, they're middle of the pack, but their last three quarterbacks that they faced were Sam Darnold, Cooper Rush, <laughs> and Jared Goff. And we know that none of those dudes could hold Lamar's jock if it came with a glue stick, a hammer, and nails. So it's going to be it's gonna be points flying back and forth, man. So this game, I could see it uh, hitting that over. No doubt that total wall. Now that you broke that down, I hadn't looked at that one yet, but to be honest with you, that's a real good look right there, that 49 and a half and that Ravens and um, Vikings matchup coming up this weekend. 
Hey, Lamar, thanks a lot. Good stuff, my man. I mean, Lamar. <laughs> it's come to that point. With all the Lamar Jackson propaganda on my Twitter feed, it's come to that. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, my man. Don't forget to follow Lawrence on Twitter at Lord Don't Lose. Check out all his fantasy football content on our website, NBC Sports Edge. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. All right, now it's time to bring in my guy, Jay Croucher, to talk some football and some NBA as well. Jay, what's going on with you? Thanks for having me on, guys. Looking forward to talking some Mike White and some basketball, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's start with the, the aforementioned uh, Mike White. Um, the Jets and the Colts coming up Thursday night football. Colts turning the half-point favorites at home. The total sitting at 46-and-a-half. What are we looking at right now over at points bet as far as this game is concerned? So we're needing the Colts. Uh, people are believing in the Jets for the first time since I came to America two and a half years ago. Uh, <laughs> 90% of our handle is on the Jets spread uh, at that wow. 10 and a half number. And people are really bought into Mike White. And <laughs> they don't want to lay more than 10 points with Carson Wentz and the Colts. Maybe with uh, Carson Wentz's couple of late interceptions still fresh in the mind. But, you know, that Bengals game, that was the best result for points bet all year outside of the Patriots covering in Brady's return. So Mike White was great to us then, and hopefully he's great to us by uh, reverting to uh, a bit more of a Mike White state. Yeah, you can't stop Mike White. You can only hope to contain him. I, I'm shocked at that, that, that at that news, honestly. But at the same time, especially because the look ahead here was uh, Colts 14 and a half, and it was moved into 10 and a half, and still people running to the window to back the Jets on the road. Uh, best of luck to them, I guess. It's gonna Because Indianapolis hardly ever gets home games. That dome is going to be absolutely rocking in primetime. I just meant you know, home primetime games in Indianapolis. They thrive for this sort of stuff. That's going to be a nasty environment for Mike White. Staying within football here, we had a huge, huge week in, on the, you know, of college football. A couple of really, really great games, notably the uh, Michigan State-Michigan game where KW3, Kenneth Walker III, really kind of gave us a Heisman moment for the first time all season. And the market reacted pretty aggressively, moving him down to about plus 450. Uh, He is the only guy in the conversation that is not a quarterback at this point. Bryce Young still leads the market, even though Alabama really hasn't 
really hasn't captured the imagination of the betting or the entertainment public to this point in the season. CJ Stroud making a huge push right now as well. Are there any guys in this uh, kind of top of the board here that you think are worth paying attention to considering their matchups down the stretch and, you know, who's going to be kind of featured in uh, viewing public? So I think Bryce Young right now, he's the favorite just largely by default. There's no clear... Super clear front runner in the market. The market's a bit of a mess. Uh, it's moving around all over the place. This market is always very difficult to calibrate. It's unlike the NFL where, you know, it is largely just the best quarterback who wins MVP outside of real outlier situations like Adrian Peterson a decade ago. In the Heisman, you know, receivers can win like Devonta Smith did. Obviously, quarterbacks and running backs can win as well. So it's just a more difficult pricing exercise to weight different positions against each other but yeah lots of movement over the weekend uh kenneth walker like you said a big mover matt corral the australian in me always wants to say matt coral uh, but matt <laughs> corral he's drifted a little bit spencer rattler was the favorite preseason, and i was trying to find his odds today and kept on scrolling kept on scrolling and he's off the board entirely so the market is in a lot of flux but bryce young right now is the favorite just being, you know, the Alabama quarterback uh, and racking up wins and yards goes a long way. All right. Last night we saw the, I'm about to say the Atlanta Falcons. We saw the Atlanta Braves win the World Series. What are we looking at as far as the early futures on who's going to win the World Series next year? So Atlanta, who didn't get much respect in the market all season, they are plus 1,400 to win the World Series next year, uh, which is a similar price to what they opened this season. They're the ninth favorite. As with all MLB futures for all of eternity, the Dodgers are the favorites to win the World Series again. But uh, I think that Atlanta's story, obviously an incredible story for them to win without Ronald Acuna, Mike Soroka, and everyone else that went down. And they got out at one point to 50-1 to to win the World Series after Acuna did go down. And, you know, I, I think we forget about this kind of stuff pretty quickly. But the reason they were so long is that for most of the season, the Mets were clear favorites to win the NL East. And then... Obviously, Jacob deGrom goes down and the Mets kind of messed around and did their thing and collapsed. <laughs> uh, and so Atlanta, they just swooped, they beat the Phillies, and then they make this incredible run and uh, take down the Astros. Second time we've seen this in three years. Nationals did it, what, two years ago? Coming out of nowhere after having a losing record through the first couple months of the season. Uh, I imagine overall the MLB playoffs were pretty good for the book. I mean, Atlanta had to be the 10th choice out of the 10 playoff teams, right? Just about, yeah, really good result for the book. Not many, not too many people got involved with Atlanta. More of our handle was on the Dodgers and the Giants in the NL. And then in the AL, there was a lot of Red Sox and Yankees money. So it was a good matchup. And, you know, in the end, like people just look at this Atlanta team and they're just not that terrified of backing against them because the lineup is, is very solid. But, you know, you saw in this World Series, you know, their best hitter was Jorge Soler, who had an OPS, I think, that was, you know, sitting under 600 at one point during the season. So, uh, and they're pitching as well. For Morton to go down, to not have Soroka, to be relying on guys like Davidson in game five, this was a real mash unit, but they had enough in the end. Okay. Well, we have you on in a very interesting night in the NBA, which is huge because you are an NBA guy at your heart, as far as I can tell you. So love to get your thoughts on a couple of these marquee matchups we have on the board. Uh, and let's start with the Bulls at the 76ers. The Bulls obviously out to the hottest start that I can remember in recent memory, at least uh, as far as this particular club. They're, you know, and nothing, as you kind of go through the stats, as you go through their opponents, it doesn't look fake. This looks like a really decent team that's going to be in the mix you know, for a, a seed in the Eastern Conference, not the play-in. 
which was their preseason projection. Meanwhile, the 76ers are in a little bit of turmoil. Avail- player availability is, you know, sweat questions swirling here. You know, the, the, the health and ability of Embiid to continue to carry this team dealing with his knee injury is a question mark. How do you make a, a market on a game like Bulls 76ers? And do you feel like, um, you, have you seen people sort of come back to the window and bet the Bulls over and over again as they continue their winning ways? Yeah, so betters definitely believe in the Bulls. And I think, you know, we in the market do as well. We're recording Chicago a lot of respect. The fact that, you know, they're less than three-point dogs uh, to last year's one seed, even if Simmons obviously isn't around. But the Bulls, I think one of the most interesting things to watch this season is whether Chicago's defense sustains. Because it's a top 10 defense at the moment. I think that everyone thought that their offense would be really solid with all the talent that they have. But defensively, the thought would be that they would be a mess, but they've been excellent. And I think what you look at there is that you know Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso are two of the best guard defenders in the league. And then Nikola Vucevic, even though he looks kind of plodding and slow, he's not that bad of a defender because he's big and he knows where to be. And in the regular season in the NBA, that's extremely important. So I think with just the fatigue around the Sixers, with the uncertainty around Embiid's knee, and then all of the hype around the Bulls. That's where the line is at the moment. That's why betters have been hammering the Bulls. All right, interesting. Two of the, I guess, marquee teams in the Eastern Conference also tonight meet on the other side of Turnpike. You got the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the Atlanta Hawks. Nets laying five at home versus the Hawks. Seems like it's been kind of a slow start for the Hawks this year. It did get that big win and cover the other night, though. What are we looking at tonight with this game right here with the Hawks and the Nets? So it's Nets minus five and the Nets, regular season Nets, I feel like there's just not much to be learned about this team and they're only going to switch into gear, you know, as we get into the playoffs. I think Atlanta is the more interesting side here. And, you know, I think there was a thought that, you know, Atlanta with all their depth, with their talent, with the run that they made last year, that, you know, this could be a dark horse contender for a top two seed in the East. They haven't looked good so far. I think they've got just about the worst shot profile of any team where they're taking a lot of mid-ranges, a lot of long twos, really inefficient shots. I don't know why Trey Young doesn't just take 12 threes a game. And that was the knock on Nate McMillan in Indiana. They didn't take efficient shots. And so whether that changes, I think that will be the key to whether Atlanta can really vault into that. Probably a top three now in the East with Milwaukee, Brooklyn and Miami. Can I ask a real quick question? What do you think, or at least from what you've seen so far this season, because we are, believe it or not, like 10% of the way through the regular season already. already. What, uh, what adjustments have you guys made in-house numbers-wise? Like, who, What team has been adjusted up or down the most considering what you've seen so far? Sure. So I think there's three teams. One is Toronto, where they just look devastating athletically <laughs> and defensively, and they just they dash around. They don't even have Pascal Siakam. Yet, sure. who is, you know, arg- arguably could be their best player going forward. Scotty Barnes obviously exceeded the expectations. OG Ananobi put up 36 points and looked like kind of Kawhi Leonard light uh, in Madison Square Garden. So they've definitely scaled up. They're a team that, you know, we think can not just be a playoff team, but a team that can avoid the play in altogether and be a top six seed. Cleveland, who I think everyone thought would be dreadful and in that Orlando Detroit tier, they look perfectly fine and solid and Evan Mobley looks like already one of the best defensive players in the NBA the way he plays in space is incredible so Cleveland we've scaled up to just being a kind of not a great team but a regular kind of solid slightly below average team but the big one I think is Miami and the fact that you know they're six (laughs) and one Jimmy Butler looks like an MVP candidate Tyler Hero has six man of the year locked up 
and Bam Adebayo uh, were protecting him heavily for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. And just, they looked really engaged. I thought they would be a team that took the regular season pretty lightly and would just switch on for the playoffs. But they seem really incentivized to make something of this regular season and get a top two seed. So uh, in terms of championship equity, I think they're the team, certainly, that has is, that is moved the most. Very cool. That was good stuff. And uh, Drew, obviously, we feel good about those Toronto Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can follow Ray on Twitter at CrouchedJD. He gives us a glimpse behind the counter at PointsBet every week on Bet the Edge. And make sure to check out Blitz in the Board Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern with Jay, Drew, Warren Sharp, and myself. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and listen to this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Celtics and Magic, Bulls and 76ers, and Nuggets and Grizzlies. So if you don't have to predict the app, download it now. All right, Drew, time for your edge of the day. NBA, there's so much to pick from. This was hard. I'm going to go to war with the Charlotte Hornets on the road against the Golden State Warriors, though. This is a nice look here for the uh, Hornets to continue to build on what has been a very solid start to their season. I just love this matchup. This is a team that can create offense a number of ways. They're going up against a Warriors team that has had a really, really, really soft start to the season. Warriors have, they haven't been beating the really bad teams to the tune where you can truly buy in that this is an elite squad. They've been getting some bounces going their way, particularly when it comes to the defensive rebounding. They're rebounding at a rate that I do not believe is sustainable. And they're going up against a team in uh, in Charlotte that can create offense a number of different ways. Obviously, LaMelo Ball continuing his growth into the, the role of sort of the key player on this squad of young, of young talent. And honestly, the halftime adjustments we've seen from Charlotte Every single week, game in, game out, they come out of the halftime and they have a perfectly attuned their squad to get back into games, to put away leads. It is awesome to see. I have a ton of confidence in this coaching staff to actually you know, run circles around Steve Kerr, who doesn't do a lot of in-game adjustments. They don't give you a lot of uh, you know, kind of opponent-specific looks defensively. This is a nice spot for Charlotte coming off of a, a tough loss, starting a road trip. Uh, against a, a, an elite opponent, you, I think you're going to get best effort here out of the Hornets, and this should come down to last basket. I don't know that the Hornets are going to get the upset, but I certainly think they stay inside the number of oh, six. Is actually I, I got six and a half here. It's down to five and a half. Uh, my fare here is three and a half, so I think there's still value in the Hornets as long as you're getting outside of two baskets. All right. Did, did, was that you that moved it from six and a half to five and a half? It, I guess it might have been, or it, it was just the timing. <laughs> <laughs> this time of day, man, people are firing, firing, firing NBA. You love to watch the market. Now, I got one that moved too, but it moved in the opposite direction, but I still feel pretty good about it. As a matter of fact, last night, the first time I saw it, I thought to myself, I'm going to hop all over the Cleveland Cavaliers, who Jay was just talking about. Cavaliers at home tonight facing the Portland Trailblazers, and numbers moved up, started, opened up at three. Now sitting at four and a half. Now, my thing about it is this. I don't believe the Trailblazers are that good of a team this year. And then they're going to be a team that struggles. And we've seen that. They don't have a they don't have a road victory so far this year. Not to mention the fact they're playing their third straight road game. Normally, I don't fade a team until their fourth straight road game. But in this situation right here, not a big fan of the Trailblazers in this spot. Jay talked about how the Cavaliers have been playing. They won't have Kevin Love tonight. But Kevin Love is a bench player now. So I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers taking the four and a half points 
I, you know, I feel pretty good about that. So that's going to be my edge of the day. Okay. Uh, I leaned Portland here, but Portland has been zigzagging like in, in direct spite of me so far this season. So the fact that I liked Portland, uh, probably a good sign for you. Uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it's a decent enough number. And the Trailblazers certainly aren't inspiring any confidence the way they're shooting right now. So good luck. No doubt. I hope that Chauncey Billups can hang in over there. All right, so there you go. I want to thank everybody for joining the program today. I want to thank Dale Jarrett talking NASCAR. I want to thank Jay Crouch for coming on here and talking some Heisman Trophy, some NBA NFL with us. And, of course, thanks to Lawrence Jackson for holding us down with some NFL. Now you'll have all the information you need to know after you're done listening to us. To continue helping you with your wages, log on to NBCSportsEdge.com. Thanks for those of you watching us on our Sports Edge YouTube channel. And again, don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast. Good luck and may the winners be yours. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.